five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh. Oh, brother, we got a lot today for a direct mail show. <clears throat> I'm overwhelmed. I, you know, it was a little bit of a dearth in uh, between Christmas and the first or second week of January. <clears throat> like a lot of the publications were just, you know, running reruns. Now all of a sudden, wow, we're just inundated. I probably have. I don't know, at least a half a dozen direct mail articles that I really want to get to. So we're going to keep it simple today and only do two. <laughs> and we're only going to do direct marketing, except for a little fun at the beginning, which we always have. And this is a uh, like a convenience store gas station with a bulletproof glass. And this girl is kind of looking bored. And a customer comes in and says, you know, pump number 10 and uh, a candy bar. And although she, he doesn't mention... Cadbury's it's a Cadbury's commercial but she does hold it up although not in the kind of a classic you know here's my product uh, <laughs> product placement you know it actually looks more real and I probably one of these days will get to an article if, if you saw the the McDonald's commercial one of the Christmas commercials there was almost no mention of McDonald's until the very very last few frames and um, and there's an article that says that they're they're increasingly not mentioning the product to make it look like product placement in order to get around the junk food. Uh, there's some junk food ad regulations or legislation that's coming through, uh, and they're trying to do advertising without mentioning the name of the company. <laughs> they maybe should try direct mail, <laughs> mail out little samples. But anyway, here's the rest of the. The show. So the the board uh, cashier uh, just he, he pays the money for his gas, and now she says, "You forgot this," and he just walks away. There it shows the dairy milk. Love you, Dad. Love you, Dad. There's a glass and a half in everyone. <laughs> Since I got a bunch of daughters, you know, that chokes me up a little bit. Whenever they tell me that, it's really nice. Anyway, uh, Hannah Bowler, she, um, she's with the drum. The Cadbury strapline, gas and a half, and everyone is shown on the screen, which explains a nod to how people's generosity can be seen in small moments. And uh, there was another one. There's, this is about, there was a series of, of three, Mum's Birthday, Fence, and Bus which form a part of its four-year-old generosity brand platform. Nice. Does it sell any candy bars? That's the next question. And this is an excellent perspective. Jeremy Hainline uh, from Gunderson Direct. You know, this really is an important lesson. Um, when I began my career as a copywriter, Jeremy writes, I made the same mistake that thousands and thousands of creators before me had. I thought I was hired to be creative. <laughs> he says an artist, but, you know, they call them creatives or call us creatives, but we're they don't want us to be creative. <laughs> I think you missed one there, Jeremy. But anyway, I hope you watch this um, and comment and share. I was there to be poet. Poetic, to be pithy, to be razzle-dazzle, razor-sharp, surprise, and delight witty. I put cute in my, in, my, uh, in my title today. Cute is not a KPI. Could have put, put that one in there. I kind of summarize it all into cute. 
this was my measure of success. And because of this, I was a pretty bad copywriter. Every time a see, I'm rewriting his copy as we go. Every time a client didn't pick my fave concept, I took it personally as a failure. Every time a client picked apart my copy, I took it personally as a failure. You know, my kids have gotten into doing some copy and stuff. And I said, the first rule, you can't take it personally. You know, there may be other issues that you don't know about. You know, and sometimes <clears throat> I've had clients who, you know, want to change change word a word throughout to some other word and then two weeks later they change it back to the other word just I think to get their hands dirty and every time a client piled on rounds and rounds of incremental watering down revisions I took it personally as a failure it wasn't until I worked on the client side as part of an embedded team at one of the world's largest online marketplaces that I truly got it seeing firsthand how data can shift Objectives can turn on a dime, and management optics can steer a project. You know, plus, you write copy differently if you've only got, you know, a hundred that are, that, you know, are never going to be <laughs> seen again, or you've got a warehouse full of a million of them and you don't know what to do with them. You might write that differently, right? There's all kinds of external context that you may not know as the copywriter. Um, and and also, you know, in testing, you know, this this looks like a pretty, pretty um, uh, authentic direct mail piece, you know, free tablet. Uh, give give connection, confidence and care. Uh, this holiday, give your parents and grandparents a free or a free tablet. I don't know what this is for. I can't read it. It's too small. But this is really, really key. I'm not here to be an artist. I'm here to be a craftsperson. So I've told you this story before, but when I was a VP of marketing and over in charge of the creative department, we had a department. We did 24 different catalogs every year, plus a, a regular monthly catalog that had a circulation of 6 million. <clears throat> so we had a pretty good design team. Um, but I had an idea that, the customers weren't really getting what we were selling on that larger catalog. And uh, it had to be done differently than the, than the other ones we were doing, which were branded catalogs. And so everybody got and got what we were doing. Uh, and the, the art director or uh, creative director or the, the manager there at the, art, at the creative department wouldn't do it. He said, I will not do it. And so I said, you're fired. Not now. Not in an angry way. I, you know, worked it all out. But anyway, so we got a new creative director, and he knew me a little bit. And I said, Pete, I want to uh, run this test. And what I want is I want, you know, just I want some titles on the products so people get what we're after. And about that time, one of the young uh, designers came in and he said, you're going to schlock up this catalog. You're going to wreck it. You're going to make it look ugly. And uh, I was about to defend myself and Peter spoke up and he said, John, what do you think that test will, you know, how do you think it'll come out? I said, I think at least 20% uh, lift by changing just, just, you know, a little bit on the, on the cover. 
they don't have to change anything else. And uh, and he said he whipped around and he said to the young guy, he said, your job is not to decide what we're going to do. Your job is to make it as unugly as possible. And uh, it was really funny because I instituted a lot of structure to the creative department with Peter's help. Peter actually taught me most of that stuff years before. And uh, one day the creative guy came and we were we were selling a, a a golf bag and and you know he wanted it to kind of kind of almost bleed it, it wasn't quite but it was out of the convention in the structure and I said what a great idea I love that sure yeah go ahead and he said I thought we couldn't break these rules I said no you got to understand you have to have some rules so that when you break them people notice if there's no rules it's just a mishmash <clears throat> so uh, oftentimes Sometimes the client has other contexts. Sometimes the VP of marketing has other contexts. Sometimes there's a there's a purpose in what we craft you ask you to do uh, craft wise. Uh, you're here to help strategically sound, hardworking marketing vehicles drive a click, a call, a visit, or a behavior change. And that really is it. And it's only by genuinely, but, you know, then I didn't agree with this. It's not only by genuinely engaging with customers on their terms that your work will drive sales. A lot of sales have nothing to do with what's in the client's head or the customer's head. They need, they need a, you know, a USB plug or they need, you know, some cold medicine. And they may choose one versus another, but that need is in, it isn't up to you. Find a customer need and filling it. Um, but we're not here for joy. We're here for results. And every now and then you'll have a fun project and you can take some joy in it. But mostly we're here for results. And that's what direct marketing is about. Okay, so <clears throat> let's get over to Tony McQuicken. Uh, McQuicken, I think it is. I've done a few of her articles and she started out this one similar to some others that I've talked about, uh, which made me have to go back and figure it out. But this is uh, about direct mail and the printing outlook. Um, Gary Massey, CEO of IWCO, says there's been a permanent change in how mail is being used as a marketing channel. Now mail is the channel that breaks through the clutter, digital clutter, to gain your prospects' attention. Okay, excellent. And there's just a lot of statistics, which I usually skip because they're kind of general. Um, another thing is that, that the postal rates are going to go up. And that same six million uh, company where you know where we were printing six million B two B catalogs, which is pretty many, uh, said we we the the rates went up uh, pretty good bump, and we uh, we made some changes. You know we tested groundwood on that same test actually, it was a four way test, and the groundwood lifted at twenty percent. My idea on the cover actually lifted. At 40%, we never looked back because we had a theory behind it. Um, and you know, we looked at each other afterwards and said, "What would we have made if we would have if we would have tried this change before the increased paper costs had forced us into it?" You know, we would have made a lot of money. But that's just the way life is. You know, you you work your way along, and other things get to be important. Um, postal increases are going to be a trend," said Melanie DiCaprio. Uh, VP of Marketing, SG360. Um, and most people aren't taking advantage of all the postal discount uh, 
promotions that the Postal Service is doing. Uh, I did a talk on that about a week ago. At, um, Summer Gould has a nice article on that in um, in Brand United. Okay, and um, so there there have always been postal increases, and there are going to be more postal increases because with the postal reorganization that happened, I don't see where that is. It's down in the bottom. With the postal reorganization um, taking effect in January of this year, the big, it already took effect. Um, the postal service has an has an easier route to postal increases. Uh, hopefully, they'll be small ones. Um, but I do have to give that to Joe Biden um, that he got that done, and that's been something that's been been needed for probably at least a decade, maybe a couple of decades since Congress basically said that the postal postal service has to have money in the bank to fund its uh, to fund its pension fund. And then they can raid the bank. <laughs> the rest of the federal government could raid the bank anyway. So it wasn't really there anyway, but it it kind of hamstrung the Postal Service with a contingent liability. Anyway, it's complicated. Um, postal form at its heart is a lot of my, modernized USPS finances, says Elizabeth Lyons, who's director of Women in Print Alliance at Printing United. Okay. Then there was a whole bunch on data. And, um, you know, I highly recommend my book on how to make money with data. And it's all about direct mail. And it undermines most of what is said by these supposed experts, one of which is that there's all this new technology. We're seeing it with every client now, says Cortez. Okay, from our Donnelly, I think. There's a whole bunch of people mentioned in this thing. Um, the The concern I have uh, is that most of these modelers, even if they work at printing companies, their goal is to cut the waste. They say we can cut, we can more than pay for the modeling by cutting the waste. And that's always been the way modeling has been promoted since the 90s when it was pioneered. We were one of the pioneers of it. And the reason that's the way they look at it is because they believe that if we could mail, if we could just mail the people that are interested, we would make a lot more money. And the problem is, is that the people who you mail don't know if they're interested. And how do I know? Because I know that I don't know what I'm interested in most of the time. You know, when a mailing piece comes, it triggers my head and I say, hmm, maybe that's something I'm interested in. But if you would have asked me five minutes before that, I couldn't have told you. Okay, so most of modeling is not about, about finding those nugget customers that are going to buy for sure. Most of it's about ruling out people that probably aren't interested and have a low level of interest. That's easier to do. You know, if you're selling Ferraris, you're probably not going to sell them to people that, you know, are getting a car loan, right? Probably not. It's people who can plunk down a couple of hundred grand and not worry about it. Okay, so, um, you know, people are using, there's a there's a shift to transaction data, which is in this article. I think that's a good shift. We've been doing it since, for more than 25 years. Always, always mainly transaction data. So I know a lot about what transaction data will give you. And the truth is that 
60% or more of your customers only bought once. They only bought one or two items. They didn't spend a lot and they haven't bought in a long time. It's how to figure those, those customers out that helps you grow your business, right? Any other kind of modeling that tries to predict this is a person that's going to buy for sure, other than triggered, some of the triggered stuff is, works really well. But in terms of overall growth, you need to have a broader perspective because you don't know what they're going to want next. And the more you personalize it, the less likely it is to be right. The more specific you are. You know, I think you're going to want a green turtleneck next. You bought a red, you bought a blue, you bought black, you bought white. You're going to want green. You're on a pattern there. Eh, I don't look good in green. <laughs> I don't wear much green. You're wrong. You know, give me a good deal. <laughs> so it's, you know, the, and the more you've done this, the more, the more, the more expertise you have and the more track record, the more you realize that you need to have a very, very healthy dose of humility because what you think you know if you run the test correctly will probably be proven wrong the best responses DiCaprio says come from data-driven campaigns with creative edit audited by direct mail strategy experts I did agree with that get somebody who's done it before um, anyway uh, and it, you know I disagree with most of that paper supply is easing up a bit uh, DiCaprio says, if the recession keeps on, continues to rise, consumers will spend less and brands will have to have no choice, no choice, but to pull back on their direct mail campaigns. Now, the interesting part is, is that the next two, Cortez from Ardonley says, which is, you know, 10 times, 100 times bigger than, than response 360 or whatever that one was, um, says that direct mail is breaking through and Gen Z is excited to receive direct mail pieces. And so as the as the as the research or as the recession, here it goes. Listen, this is great. If the recession and inflation deepen, exactly the same as up above, expect brands to take a hard look at the types of marketing mediums most likely to break through the clutter and direct mail will be at the top of the list. Bravo, bravo. Bravo, Cortez, yes, awesome, but it directly contradicts the, the one above, okay? And that's because the one above is from a company that I think does mostly triggered marketing, which is a nice thing to add on somewhere, you know, for card abandonment and stuff. Direct mail also helps brands with their privacy concerns. One of the great points to make, and if you're having trouble scaling because you're worried about privacy, then... Uh, where is this thing you're res re referencing? Which thing? <laughs> all of the um, show notes, all the highlighted stuff are on WDMA.org within a few minutes or hours of the show. So you have to subscribe, but just go there, Jason, and subscribe, and you can, you can go through all these articles. And most of the links will work just as well for you as for me because we'll save it. So on that note, I got to wrap up. Have a great day. Like and share. Share these things. Uh, it massively impacts the, uh, the impressions. It's unbelievable. Uh, likes don't seem to move the needle, but share. Share it with your friends. They'll know you're smart.
Bye-bye. Have a great day.